And by me, I mean we. Or by we, I mean me. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm out of practice. I haven't done this in several months. I'm so sorry that you haven't heard from me. But we're back. That's right. Welcome. I am Lauren Hutton, and you probably already knew that. Welcome to Lauren's Podcast. The grand return of the prodigal podcast. Is everyone feeling super isolated? You feeling alone? You feeling sad and down because you can't leave your house? Well, you shouldn't be leaving your house. Uh, unless, unless you're a member of one of those there mega churches that are still just bringing them in by droves. Oh, man. I read that somebody somewhere, some mega church leader, pastor, person was like, you know, I, I, I really, I don't think that the virus is, uh, you know, I feel like the virus is politically driven. It's got political aspirations. That's right. Corona, COVID-19, 2020 presidential candidate. It's a virus, y'all. It doesn't have opinions. It doesn't have an agenda. It's just out there, and it's going to kill 3% of everybody. I don't even know if those numbers are accurate. How can we know about any of the accuracy of the numbers? Because you don't know. It's, I mean, come on. It came from China. Of course, they're trying to cover up just how bad it was. I don't know. Maybe maybe I need a tinfoil hat. I probably do. I've been watching Chernobyl. That's, there's a lot of cover-up in that. They just tried to sweep everything under the rug for the first 20 hours, didn't they? I don't even know how accurate that HBO show is. I, have, I don't do fact-checking. Oh, it's presented to me with, like, really good dialogue and, like, you know, this thriller is suspenseful. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen, even though I already know what's going to happen loosely? Yep, that's good enough. That, those, are, those are facts in my brain now. I mean, I okay, you can't criticize one person's stupid idea and then just, you know, present your own. Oh, man. Human beings are dummies. How is everybody? I hope you're having a good time. I hope you're doing something good with your, your extra time at home if you're not one of those essential employees. I hate that this is the only thing there is to talk about. There's literally nothing going on in the world other than... COVID-19, COVID-19, coronavirus, pandemic, everyone's gonna die. We don't have enough ventilators. Well, it's a global thing. Everyone is real nervous about it still. I mean, except for a few people that are angry about it. I don't think that's the right reaction. You You can't get mad at something that doesn't have an opinion or an agenda. Oh, well, of course, the virus doesn't have an opinion or an agenda, but the people that put it out there to crash this economy, they have those opinions and that agenda. Shut up. Go stick your head in the sand and quit breathing until we don't have to deal with you anymore. Yeah, harsh stance. I realize that. But guess what? I have no room in my life for that level of stupidity. Now, I'm going to feel real dumb in about five years when we find out that it really was something that was put in as like a biological weapon to crash the economy. But who like, who on earth would use that method to crash an economy? This is a global problem. Or, I mean, do we have like a raccoon city situation where it was like, well, we were making it as a weapon and then it just got out of control. Oh, my God. The nemesis. It's out to get us. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're not going to know exactly what is going on right now until way after the fact. Way after the fact. And then we'll find out just exactly what happened and just how many cases we have. All the numbers are bullshit. Sorry, Mom. Wow, feels good to say that. It's been a while. Oh, boy. I've been apologizing to my mother for all different kinds of reasons. She's a medical care person. So she's an essential employee. She hasn't gotten to enjoy the quarantine at all. Right now, for me, I'm also an essential employee. My girlfriend is an essential employee. My mother is an essential employee. And my dad is a retired full-time Santa Claus in the off-season. So our lives are pretty much just going on the way they normally would, except not at all. I'm, I'm still out there delivering packages. Thank God I got this job right before this whole thing went down. I don't know what I would be doing because, trust me, no one is getting Lyft and Uber rides right now. No one. 
I went out and I tried to drive a couple of weeks ago because I needed some extra money. And uh, it was like four hours of sitting on my couch and waiting. Oh, it was it was a grand old time. And then finally, after just, you know, a bunch of YouTube rabbit holes that I was trailing down, my phone went off and I got real excited. I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to go make us some money. And I drove to a McDonald's and I, I dropped that guy off. And I was very excited to have like an, a conversation with someone that was not work related or my girlfriend complaining about how bad this this whole situation is for her as a nurse. And of course, the guy gets into my car and immediately opens the conversation with, man, it's, it's crazy times. It's crazy times. And the eyes rolled into the back of my skull as I had the most fake conversation that I've had in a long time. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, Lauren, why did you open your podcast with all of this pandemic news? It's all that's going on. I mean, what do you want me to say? You want me to talk about how it's Super Mario's 35th birthday and there's rumors that they're going to be a whole bunch of like remakes of the 3D Mario games? Sure, that's super exciting, but I really don't feel like most of you care about that. You got to stay topical. You got to have your thumb on the pulse of what's actually going on in this here world. Or at least that's the, the obligation that I feel as a podcaster. I do have a new job. It's super exciting. I play Ding Dong Ditch with a gift. That's right. I deliver packages for a company that I'm not going to talk about because I actually like this job and I'd like to keep it. Now, ordinarily, whenever I get a new job and I'm like, cool, I'm getting caught up on my bills. I'm actually paying money. I, I don't owe as much money on my car anymore. Everything's going real good, but I hate what I'm doing and I wish they would fire me. So I talk about it openly all over social media, all over Twitter, all over the podcast, hoping desperately that some upper middle management person will catch wind of it and be like, he said some wildly inappropriate things. We should probably cut him loose. I don't have that with this job. I don't want them to cut me loose. I kind of enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not a mailman, okay? I'm bringing stuff that people have ordered specifically. And especially in these quarantine times, I'm delivering a lot of essential goods, a lot of like, you know, uh, pantry items and, and other toiletries. I deliver so many diapers and so much toilet paper. And you have no idea how good it feels to drop something off on someone's package. And as you're working your way back to your delivery vehicle, they stick their head out of their front door as they pick up their beloved package of, of Charmin Ultra Quilted. And they're just like, thank you. Everyone waves at me. I'm just driving around in this big oversized vehicle and every person is out on the street and they're just waving. They're just waving with such glee in their eyes. They're happy to see me because I'm bringing them crap they asked for. I'm not a mailman. I'm not bringing bills and other stupid advertisements from Macy's that people are just going to throw away the moment that they see them. That's not what I'm doing. I like my job. That being said, I would love to quit it so I could do podcasting or comedy or maybe even just writing full time. I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm not a writer. This whole like... This whole thing has definitely shown I do have a little bit more free time because I, I only work four days a week instead of five. So I got a, a whole a whole extra day in the week to do creative things. And you're like, well, Lauren, why haven't you put out a podcast episode in like two, three months? Uh, it's bad. I know I'm not great at consistency. And, and when I started this new job, I had to get used to it. I, I had to sort of get my life in order, not just like paying bills and whatnot, but also just like, you know, how scheduling works. Every time that I have ever started a new job, there's usually a month, maybe two months of this acclimation period where I have to remind myself how to function on like a daily basis. It, it's not good. Like I should really have a better a better handle on like consistency in my life. But let's be honest, I've changed jobs like every year or less for the last 10 years or less. I don't do things for long periods of time with any level of like consistent effort. I'm a bad human being. It's a product of having ADHD and getting bored real easily. I'm already bored with this episode. Are you? Is this any good? Is, is this what people want to hear? Just me blathering on about nonsense and the same crap you've heard 150 times? 
I am excited for those Mario games. I didn't mean to like play that off as just like, well, that's dumb. No, man, they're remaking Mario 64. That's very exciting. And all these things are apparently going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch, which I, I've, got a, I've got an unhealthy relationship with my Nintendo Switch. You know what I mean? Those Joy-Cons do not need to go near your scrotum. HD Rumble was not designed for that. That is not what they mean by a more HD experience with your Rumble. All right. I, 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 sorry, Mom. Do we apologize for that one? I think we should. It's, you know, Joy-Cons aren't supposed to bring you that level of joy. I think it's a little off-brand for them. I do love my Nintendo Switch. Just a little too much. Just a touch too much. Been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Been playing a lot of all sorts of things. But on the flip side of that, I'm getting bored with video games. I'm getting bored with watching TV because that's all I do now. I go to work. I play Ding Dong Ditch with a gift. And then I come home and I stare at a television. I've been doing that for the last three months because obviously I wasn't doing very much comedy before the quarantine shut down. And then right before all the bars got closed, I did this wonderful show in Greenville, Ohio. Shout out to uh, Rachel Isom? Isom? Islam? I don't know. I can't remember her name. I don't know her very well. Uh, but I had apparently reached out to her several months ago. And she booked me on this bar show out in Greenville, Ohio, at a place called Sloopy's Bar and Grill. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what I was going to be walking into. All of the, the pandemic fear was reaching a fever pitch right before this show happened. And I didn't even know if the show was going to be happening. Because at that point, they had officially said no gatherings of more than 100 people. They hadn't hit that 10-person mark yet, which definitely was when all the shows got shut down. But... No gatherings of more than 100 people. Thankfully, Greenville, Ohio is a wash of just Republican insight. And so they didn't really give a crap. There was easily... We were close to breaking that 100-person thing. And, and I didn't get any indication from Rachel that the show was going to be canceled. Thank God, because I needed that. I went. I had a great set. Uh, the show opened a little bit rough just because uh, I don't know if everyone understood how a comedy show is supposed to go. The whole like, hey, shut up and listen to the comedians thing didn't really get instilled right away. And that's fine. I was I was right smack dab in the middle of the, the lineup. So by the time I hit the stage, they were ready to listen. And and I did something that I don't I don't normally do. And I kind of hate myself for doing this, but I read the room and decided, you know, I'm going to let my Kentucky roots shine through just a touch, just a little bit of that Southern drawl. You know, I had a little bit of homegrown tobacco in my voice. You know what I mean? And I, I'm ashamed. That is not how I present myself on stage. And yet the, the, the first time that I had been on a show in several months that wasn't just an open mic at some bar with 12 other comedians listening, I sold out. I sold out for the crowd. I pandered real hard. And for some reason, that I, I still hear it. That little twang comes up every now and again as I'm speaking, and I hate myself for it. That's not how I talk. That's not how I am as a person. I am not Southern in any way. I am a hippy dippy liberal. I don't even like to identify as that, but I'm definitely not a Southern person. But the Kentucky roots, they're, they're hitting me real hard and strong, and they're coming through in my, my vocal patterns and my speech. I said y'all during my set at least seven times. At least. And I don't feel good about it. But it happened, and I had a good set. Maybe that's what everyone wants me to be. Well, at least everyone in Greenville, Ohio, because the entire town was at Sloopy's that night. The place was packed out. I was very shocked. Number one, I was shocked that the show didn't get canceled. Number two, I was shocked that everyone showed up. And three, I was shocked that I got paid. I had no idea that I was going to get paid. I told everyone that I work with now that I was heading to go do a show up in Greenville. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, what, what club is in Greenville? And I'm like, oh, you blessed soul. I don't work in clubs. It's just some bar called Sloopy's, and I'm probably going to do it for a free beer. But nah, man, I got there and Rachel put cash in my hand. Thank you so much. Shout out. It's good. I like it. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've been pounding coffee all day and I really need to urinate. So I'll be right back. Hold that thought.
Hey, we're back. Well, I'm back. I had to pee. I already said that. I Okay, so the, the break was like, I don't know, 35 seconds for me. But for you, it was just a blip. It was just there and it was gone. Uh, you ever clog the toilet from urine? That's not a normal thing, but it happened just now. Uh, am I pissing yogurt? What's going on with that? It's chunky. You got to chew it if you put it in your mouth. Don't put it in your mouth. I don't care what Rip Thorne says from the movie Dodgeball. It's sterile, and I like the taste. That No one. No one does that. Is it sterile? Maybe, if, if you're getting it straight from the source. But if you let that stuff sit in a cup for maybe 12 seconds, I guarantee it's swimming with bacteria. Also, uh, it, it, what diseases does Rip Thorne have? Huh? Huh? I guarantee his piss isn't sterile. We're way off the rails here. What was I talking about? I think I was talking about my gerb. That's right. The new gerb that I have. It's it's nice. I like it. I think I said everything that I wanted to say about it. I was watching Chernobyl. I already mentioned that too. Jesus Christ. We're only like 15 minutes in and I'm already recycling material. We've covered the pandemic. We've covered my new job. We've covered the show I'm watching currently. I don't have anything else to say. Mario. I said something about Mario. Oh boy. I hope very much so that that this this whole thing blows over very quickly. Uh, the pandemic thing, not Mario. Mario will live forever. He's he's worse than a virus. But I truly hope that this whole pandemic thing starts to level out because I don't know how much more I can deal with my girlfriend coming home and telling me how bad her job is getting. A lot of a lot of you aren't involved with like, you know, healthcare workers and stuff. And so you don't have a person coming home every day talking about the lack of supplies and the general stupidity of other healthcare workers. She had a person that she works with that straight up said, "I can't wear a mask cuz I can't breathe inside of it. It's so hot. I'm not going to wear it." And as you can imagine, that bitch was told if you can't wear it, you don't need to be here. Go home. Well, no, 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 no. I, I want to work. I, I want to be here. It's just, it's so difficult. La, 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 la. Shut up. It's a national crisis. We still haven't slowed down the curve at all, at least not from what I've seen. You got mega churches still housing thousands of people in the same room and saying that that's the will of God. You have other idiots just congregating in parks because they don't understand the level of severity that is going on with this thing. Meanwhile, I, the most important person in my entire life, my partner in crime comes home every day talking about how they're running out of masks because they're stupid uh, they're like, 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 uh, what? I don't know what they are. It's like an aide of some kind, not like a nurse below that, like a medical aide that deals with a lot of the other grunt work that, that they can't pass pills. Okay. That's the biggest difference as far as my understanding goes. And they're just, they're stealing facial masks from their employer to take them home so that they can wear them at Kroger. Oh my God, you idiot people. I want to take each and every person that's a dumb person and just let them have the virus. Let's see what happens to them. No, that's a terrible idea because then they'll get the virus and then they'll go to Kroger and infect an entire region of Kroger's. It's bad news. Something else that's going on. I, I thought if I said that, maybe I would think of something else to talk about. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing going on in the world other than this virus. This is it. This is our entire existence, and it's probably going to be our entire existence for the next several months, and that is a horrifically depressing idea. I don't want it to be that way. I mean, Jesus Christ, if I'm starting the podcast up again, what am I going to talk about next week? Well, it's still a pandemic. Folks are still dying. Ah, I think I have it, but I'm not going to go get tested. How many people, how many people just go and get tested frivolously? If I see on my Facebook page that you went and got tested, I lose a little bit of respect for you. That's probably not the right response. That's probably not how I should be dealing with information on Facebook. Facebook is not a place where you should lose respect for another human being. 
ah, I'm already pulling away from that statement. There's definitely things that get posted on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, okay, so unfriend you. And it's never been worse. I have never... I, I, I'm not a big person on like, you know, the whole like, well, I don't want to look at what you're putting out into the world because I disagree with it so vehemently. That's not normally my bag. I just scroll on. I try not to be offended by things. And yet, lately, oh boy, I get real heated because I have the most important person in my entire life is a medical professional. She's, she's not in an emergency room situation. I wouldn't say she's on the front lines of this whole global disaster nonsense, but she's still dealing with it directly. And my mom is dealing with it directly. But on top of that, the rest of the problems of, of existing don't stop. I'm still getting bored with being alive every 20 minutes. I, I, I'm still like having to listen to the issues of my family and the, and the struggles that they go through every single day that don't have anything to do with this virus. And I still deal with my weird need. I feel this obligation to help, and yet I just turn on YouTube. I watch another video about you know some guy replaying medieval for the fourth time. I don't change my behavior. I just keep doing the same crap, expecting a different result, and then I'm sad when it doesn't happen. That's why I'm recording today. I woke up. I was in a horrible funk. I've been having really, really nasty dreams lately. Not like nasty, nasty, like blood, gore, violence. Rah! Not even. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a nightmare, but two nights ago, I woke up early. My girlfriend was going to work. I had the day off. She gets ready. I, I do a few things for her, so she doesn't. She normally gets up. She showers. She does the cat boxes. She makes sure the cats are fed. She grabs something to snack on for like lunch or whatnot, and then she she does her hair and sometimes her makeup, and then she fucks off to work. Sorry, mom. I got up and did a few of those things for her. I took care of the cat stuff. I made coffee so that she could take some coffee to work with her, which she doesn't normally do. And, and, and I just wanted to help. I just wanted to relieve her of some of the stresses of her daily life because she's going through so much. And she left. And then I laid down and went back to sleep on the couch. And I had a dream that replayed the events of the morning almost to a T. She woke up. I went and made coffee. I did the cat boxes. And as I was doing the cat boxes in the dream, I heard her fall down in the shower. Like I heard it. I heard the slipping sounds of like skin on the tub, you know, that weird rubbery sound. And then I heard the crash of just, you know, meat hitting the floor. And I rushed in to see if she was okay. And she was not even on the ground. Like literally none of that had happened. I just heard that happen in my dream. And then she was fine. And then I woke up and had to figure out which version actually happened. Like did I actually hear that happen in the morning? Or did I, did I just dream that? How much of the dream was real? Did I have deja vu this morning and then just fall asleep? Like I had to completely reorient to reality. And it took... A couple of hours of me going over this over and over in my mind until the dream part started to fade. You know how dreams just fade away after you wake up, unless they're super vehement. That's not the right word. I, I, I and then it happened again last night. And the problem is, is that like I didn't even have enough of a grasp on the dream to remember why it bothered me or or like what parts of it seemed so real that I had to reacclimate to reality. I just, I was sitting on the couch after she left for work and, and, and I just had this overwhelming sense that like I woke up wrong. I just woke up wrong. Like did I, am I still dreaming? I had that thought so many times this morning. And that's when I realized that I've been, I've been spending way too much time just staring at a television. It's not good. You know, they, uh, we've talked before about how binging TV in large doses for large amounts of time is actually really bad for depression and anxiety. And that's all that I've been doing. I work four days a week. I spend the other three days a week just staring at a television, whether it's YouTube or Netflix uh, or, or, or Chernobyl, which my wonderful girlfriend bought on DVD. 
I don't know what to do with myself. I'm completely out of ideas. Oh, well, you should sit down and write jokes. For who? There are so many, like, I mean, there are people in the Cincinnati comedy scene that are doing really, really cool things to keep the, the, the comedy scene connected. Huge shout out to Lee Kimbrell. He started a, a GoFundMe for, you know, there's a lot of comedians that, that work in the service industry that, that their entire jobs are just completely shut down right now. They don't have a source of income anymore, and they're just staying at home completely broke. I have had friends post on Facebook that they're running out of food, and I don't know what to do about it. I mean, no, I know what to do about it. I have four extra boxes of Pop-Tarts in the pantry, but I didn't pay for any of that food. It's not my food. It's not mine to give away. It's, it's, it's things that my girlfriend has stocked up on to make sure that we're okay. My first inclination would be to just give it all away. It's fine. I will survive on noodles and red sauce for the next six months. But I don't know what the, where that line is. Now, we've since talked about it, and she has straight up told me, if you know of anyone that is going hungry, if you know of anybody that needs enough food for a few days or a week or what have you, we have extra. We're fine. Like, I, I, I'm so lucky to have a person in my life that worries about these things. I never worried about stocking up on toilet paper. I never worried about making sure that there was enough food in the house to last in case the grocery store supply chains shut down. These aren't things that, that float around in my head. I'm not, I'm not a forward thinker. I get completely obsessed with what is happening directly in front of me, and usually that's a very selfish ideology, just thinking about, oh, well, I'm sad. That's it. That's all that's going on in the world. I'm sad. I have a I have I am blessed to have a partner in life whose parents instilled in her a logical and rational sense of worry. I don't have that. I grew up in a house where we didn't even lock the doors. Our our cars were sometimes stolen out of our driveway because we just left them unlocked, sometimes keys in the ignition. I mean, it's not like I'm from some like way out in the boonies hilljack town. No, just the regular suburbs and and just regularly just I mean no one ever broke into our house, but we definitely had cars stolen out of our driveway. I say cars. I think that happened to my sister once. I may be exaggerating the facts. Let's be honest, I'm a hyperbolic person. But I don't know. I I, I if you need help, if you need food, if you need a box of noodles and some butter to go in it or something, Get get in touch with me for real. We we have some extra stuff. Now, fortunately, the the people that I have seen say like I don't have any food in my house and I can't really go nowhere. Those folks, I mean, the Cincinnati community is incredibly tight knit, and that's what I mean. Like huge shout out to Lee Kimbrell. He started a GoFundMe for these comics that are that are servers and bartenders and 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 wait staff and barbacks and dishwashers and everyone that's involved in the service industry that has lost their income because of this he started a gofundme you know throw 5 bucks in the bucket and see see how he spreads it out it's super cool to see people doing that there's also folks that are doing online open mics through Instagram Live and Zoom and various other like video chatting methods. That is so cool to me. And yet I have not watched a single one. I haven't gotten, I mean, Blake Hammond, another huge shout out to him. He's doing his writer's mic, which isn't a conventional, you know, open mic situation. It's, it's more of a feedback thing where you present your ideas and then you get honest feedback from your co comedic community. He's still doing that online. There are so many things that have that have just, I mean, almost as resilient as this virus is, the Cincinnati comedy community is just as resilient. It's just fighting back against all parameters to stay alive. And I couldn't be more proud of, of the community that I'm not really a part of anymore or contributing to in any way. Love y'all, for real. Uh... So many things going on. I've, I've, I, I, 
everything is going online. I have you heard of telemed? Telemed. It's super cool. You don't even have to go to a doctor's office to talk to a doctor and get like an actual diagnosis of what's going on with you. You just bring them up on Skype and go, my throat hurts and I don't feel good. And, <laughs> and there's a doctor there. It'll be like, okay, cough. Like, take the camera and shove it down your throat and say, ah. Like, that is so fascinating to me. It's so cool to have those kinds of capabilities in this time of crisis. I don't think we've ever had a big push like that before. I mean, first of all, the internet structure has never really been, like, strong enough to hold on to something like that. And yet it's happening now. There are a lot of ways that we were completely unprepared for this pandemic. But, you know, necessity is the mother of invention or whatever the hell. And, and the, the necessity has bred some really cool things going on. And it's all happening on your phone. Ah! <laughs> oh, man, those tiny rectangular computers with the touch screens in your pocket. Yeah, that is now your doctor. That is now where you try out new jokes. It is now how you stay in touch with your, your elderly parents because you don't want to go to their house and infect them. It's so nifty and so cool. I, even at my job, you know, uh, not to brag or anything, but I've kind of gotten a soft promotion from them. <laughs> I used to be on the road, you know, playing ding dong ditch with a gift. And now I'm in the office answering the phone to help other people play ding dong ditch with a gift. I don't know. I guess I'm good at my job, which that doesn't really make any sense to me because if you're good at delivering packages in a timely manner, it does not necessarily mean that you're good at helping other people navigate through a very simple delivery system on, on, a, on a work phone. But uh, I, I guess that's what they, they want from me. And so that's what I'm doing now. I was in the office for only like two days and they were like, hey, we have some interviews coming in. Would you mind taking care of that? And I'm like, what do you want me to get them coffee? You want me to interview people? What are you talking about? I've never done that before. And the owner of my company looked me in the eye and she was like, well, you have management experience, don't you? I thought I heard that about you. And I was like, uh, yeah, at the last warehouse that I, I worked at, I was the warehouse manager and her eyes got real big like, oh, yeah, that's really good. And I was like, yeah, I was also the entire warehouse staff. I managed myself, and I did it poorly. But there I was, interviewing people, going over to the break room of, of uh, the distribution center that I work out of now, and no, people didn't come in for interviews. I was doing them through my phone. <laughs> That's right. Let's just have a quick video chat. Now, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your work history. Tell me about a time when you had to deal with a disgruntled employee or customer and tell me what you did about it. Cha-chang, cha-chang. You know, I, I, I used to think that I was very good at faking it till I made it. And then at some point, I turned, you know, like a certain age in my 20s, and my anxiety got really bad, and I no longer had faith in myself to just, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other, and eventually you'll get somewhere. I just, I lost that at some point. And I tell you what, having somebody tell you to go interview a person, and you barely understand the job you're doing in the first place, let alone how to ask, you know, relevant questions to see if another person would be a good fit for that job... Oh, boy. Uh, I did it. <laughs> I did it real good. I have no idea if I did it real good, but I did it. Just keep faking it till you're making it, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I things are going well. Um, I'm a little terrified that I'm going to get sucked into this job and just completely quit doing comedy altogether. What are you saying, Lauren? You've clearly already quit doing comedy. You haven't been to a show since Greenville. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I don't. I, I don't write. I don't. I don't. I don't come up with bits anymore. The closest thing that I do to being involved in any sort of comedic thing is back when I was still, you know, driving and 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 dropping packages on porches. I, I would sing very very silly songs, very silly songs, and I don't remember any of them because it would literally just be like a limerick with a dumb little melody to it, and I would sing that until it got stuck in my head, and then I would forget about it like two hours later. That's not how writing works. Oh, man. 
that's that's what you do when you're the funny person at, at your job or the funny person in your class. You just do these things that may or may not be hilarious, and then you forget about them. That's the difference between being funny and trying to be a comedian. Write it down. Maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, it's like, man, I really wanted to get into stand-up comedy, but now this pandemic happened and stand-up comedy is over. Write something. Uh, Somebody, I think it was Alex Stone, who was a Cincinnati-based comedian that moved way out to California and has found some level of success. I don't know. I don't follow him that hard. He's got a mustache and he looks weird. But he did check in with his hometown community of Cincinnati comedy and and posted something along the lines of like, you know, now is the time. There aren't stages to get on, you know? There are no shows going on. So maybe maybe that's exactly what you want to do. And the only thing that you want to do is be a stand-up comedian. And that's perfectly fine. But being funny and knowing how to write humor... Being funny and knowing how to write humorously doesn't necessarily have to equate to you being on a stage by yourself speaking to, you know, dozens or hundreds of people. There's more than one ways to to etch out a career out of being humorous. Oh, excuse me, I'm burping up coffee. Writing for TV, writing movies, writing all sorts of things. Like if you, in in the way that he put it, is that if you do find success in stand-up comedy, you're going to be presented with opportunities that have nothing to do with stand-up comedy. Insert Mitch Hedberg joke here. He and he's right. He's right. If someone comes to you and is like, "You're very funny. I'd really love to uh, to work with you. Do you have any movie ideas? Do you have like a script for a, a TV pilot? Do you have anything going on?" And when you look at them and say, "I got nothing," well, wave as your missed opportunity floats past you. Think about it. I mean, it's lots of very funny people that you don't know their names because they're not in front of you on the TV screen because they wrote something that's in front of you on the TV screen. I've, I've been a very open fan of Dan Harmon because of his writing and his style and stuff. I wouldn't know who Dan Harmon is if it wasn't for his podcast, which is no longer a thing, sad. But it was because he was thrust in front of me uh, on a documentary that he made about himself and was on Netflix for a short time. That's the only reason I know Dan Harmon's name. It's the only reason. I mean, yeah, maybe I might have gotten there on my own through my my love of Rick and Morty or maybe my, my fondness for the show Community uh, or maybe even just, you know, you're watching Monster House for the 14th time because you're quarantined and then you notice in the credits, oh, directed or written by Dan Harmon. Ha! Huh. Well, isn't that interesting? Who is this Dan Harmon with his wonderful jokey jokes within a kid's movie? That's right, he did Monster House. I don't know. I might have gotten there organically, but think about John Mulaney. John Mulaney is one of my absolute favorite stand-up comedians that I have ever heard in my life. He has the most like replay value for me when it comes to jokes just because he's so good. He was just a writer on SNL for the longest time, and no one knew who he was unless you were in New York and happened to catch him doing a stand-up show. There's all sorts of people that are behind the scenes that, that they make the things that you love, and you're attributing the reason that you love it to, well, you know, I just I really like the way Dak Shepard talks, and, and that's why I like whatever or what have you. Writers make content and performers bring it to life. That's that's a pretty basic formula. And most of the time, that's how it works. Tom Cruise is not a creative genius. No, he's not. He's a good actor, and he's made a very solid living out of doing most of his own stunts. Hooray for him. But I guarantee that if you if you go and like read Tom Cruise's memoirs. Does he have a memoir? Does he have a book? I have no idea. But he's going to have a ghostwriter because he's not good at putting words together. (laughs) Writing jokes is just one way of putting words together. And the better that you get at it, 
you should try and flesh that out in in different forms. I'm going to start writing something. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god. How many false promises have we have we put just on this podcast? How many? Oh boy, I told you I was going to give you an episode every week, right? And then I was like, okay, now two episodes every week. And then I backed off from that. And I'm like, I'm not even going to interview people anymore. And then I quit doing the podcast for three months. So many false promises. But I want to write something. There are so many times when I, I hear conversations or I'm talking about something uh, with my wonderful lady. And I'm like, that's, that's not, that's dialogue. That is a unique way that we put something together that is only specific to these two characters that are in this room right now. That's dialogue. How do I recreate that on a page with you know people that I've made up? I don't know, but I want to figure it out. Alex Stone has inspired me. And he, he, the words from him should inspire you as well. Maybe you've, you've never been on stage. You've never even tried to tell a joke on purpose or what have you. But you have the inclination to write a story. Do it! Most of you are at home. Unless you're, you know, essentially essential. Like me and most of my family. I just, I really do hope that this whole pandemic thing clears up so that my dad can be Santa Claus next year. Because, like, that's, that's really the only thing that brings him joy. Is <laughs> being Santa Claus. Like, if I were him, I probably would have done it for a month and then shaved the beard. But that dude, he's still rocking the full, big-blown white beard. He's really good at it, too. He's really good at having a beard. Any hoozle. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else. I've, I've already said that I ran out of things to talk about 20 minutes ago, and yet here we are. I'm still blathering on. Do you think I shouldn't have guests on anymore? Like I like I said in a Facebook post a hundred years ago that, that that twelve of you saw. I have another project that I'm working on with Luke Fagenbush. It's it's through the whole radio artifact thing. I don't know if that's going to survive the pandemic because it it hasn't happened yet. And and we got a few episodes recorded, but but none of them have been edited and finalized and. Uh, the last time that I talked to, to, to Luke about it was several weeks ago, and that was me telling him that I didn't feel well and I wasn't able to make it to the recording, and then he had to cancel the recording because he wasn't able to make the schedules work, and, and then I asked him how it went a couple days ago, and he never got back to me. So he's obviously dead from coronavirus. We need more ventilators. Otherwise, what happened to Luke Fagenbush could happen to you. I'm kidding, but Jesus Christ, I would feel so bad if there was any monicum of truth to that. Luke, I hope you're okay. Text me back, mother. Ooh, almost had to sorry mom there. Okay, I I don't. Uh, I think we're I think we're gonna wrap it up. I, I I I. If any of you are still listening to this, I thank you. I'm gonna go mow my lawn because now it's time to do that again. Oh, no, 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 no. I have one more thing I have to tell you. Holy crap. I can't believe I almost forgot about this. So I think it was like a week ago. I come home. I had just gotten done playing Ding Dong Ditch with a gift. It was a long day. We worked 10-hour days. It's very obnoxious. And I, I pull up, and I see that my girlfriend is on our neighbor's porch, our neighbor that lives across the street from us. His name is Rick. He's a very good neighbor, even though I horrendously disagree with a lot of the things that come out of his face. But he is a good neighbor. He's nice. He's constantly just wanting to socialize and hang out. And he's, he's, I put it in quotations, he's a good person. Like I said, I vehemently disagree with a lot of the things that come out of his face. But that's the magic of humanity. You don't have to agree with people to enjoy their company. And if you feel like you do have to agree with everything that your friends say and do, well, you're probably missing out on a lot of really cool moments. Anywho, I pull up, I park my car, I see that my girlfriend is on the porch across the street with our neighbor, and he's got a bottle of whiskey on the porch. Now, normally, he is a die-hard, tried-and-true Miller Lite drinker, and to see him with whiskey just tells me that, you know, the pandemic is, is affecting a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And normally, I, I don't... I, 
Rick has a tendency to to trap you in conversation. You'll tell him that you've got to go four or five times over the course of 30 minutes, and every single time, he'll just start a new story. And by new story, I mean it's the same story he said 30 minutes ago because he's been drinking since he got home, and he doesn't remember what he has told you. And that can be fun sometimes, but not after five. After five times, you're like, Jesus Christ, I need to go make dinner because I've been sitting on your porch for 17 hours. But I was feeling very social, and I I just I don't see people. I haven't seen any of my comedy friends. I haven't seen any of my, my comedy enemies. I haven't had anything to talk about other than, well, today a lady had a dog. That's my whole life. And so I mosey over to the porch. I have a seat. He looks at me and he was like, yeah, we were, uh, we were just about to try this Woodford Reserve rye whiskey. My girlfriend speaks up about how, you know, have you ever tried Knob Creek? I got a bottle inside. And he was like, no, I've never tried that. And she looks at me with that look that says, go get the whiskey. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll go get it. And I went and I grabbed the pack of cigarettes that we had inside. I grabbed the whiskey. I come outside. Rick has three glasses lined up on his porch. I have to work the next day, okay? I was not expecting there to be a glass for me, but there it was. Nice tall glass, not even like a small tumbler, you know, that holds like a couple of shots. No, I, he was trying to pour eight ounces of a hundred proof bourbon and whiskey into a glass with ice and just be like, well, that's, that's for you. Now, like I said, Rick has a tendency to forget things, and the glasses and both bottles of whiskey were sitting on the railing of his porch for a little bit too long. And then some people started walking down the street. Uh, And these people could only be described as uh, homelessy looking. Very baggy clothes, disheveled looks. Um, They either just worked really, really hard that day, or they haven't worked in the last 20 years. It's like you can't tell. They've just been beaten down by whatever's going on. And they have fishing poles in their hands, and they got buckets under their arms. And apparently Rick had spoken to them on their way to the creek. And now on the way back from the creek, they were irate because the spot on the creek that they were fishing on was apparently someone's property, and they kept telling them to leave. Now, that seems like a fairly reasonable thing. I don't know why it would take more than two seconds to present that idea. Uh, we thought it was public property. Well, it's not. This is my property. Please move. That should have been the end of the story. Okay? Now, it was a guy and a girl that were walking with the fishing poles and buckets. The guy said his piece. He talked about how bullshit it was. Sorry, Mom. And then he moved on. The girl, on the other hand, stood there and continued to converse. And she continued to converse. And continued to converse. And then it came time, the the whiskeys were getting poured, and I was handed one. I didn't want it, but I was handed one. And then she just kind of like makes herself like, you know, known. She walks up and she's like, I've lived on this street for six years, and I've never met you guys. This is crazy. And Rick does, you know, an honorable thing. He stands and he reaches out to shake her hand. And like you you saw him reach for the hand, he grabbed it, he shook it once, and then immediately recoiled like it was a snake that he was grabbing. And her response to this was, oh yeah, my hand is broken. What in the... Your hand is broken and that's the one you're going to present for a handshake? What kind of drugs is this bitch on? Sorry, mom. Rick obviously responded very much to the way that I just did. And she showed us. Her hand was very swollen, very purple. She bent it a certain way and pointed and goes, that's my bone about to poke out. And we're all freaking out. My girlfriend's in like full-blown like nursing mode at that point. Like, well, why don't you have a soft cast on it? What's going on? And we found out uh, that she was on a lot of drugs. Because she said, I'm on a lot of drugs, and it's numb, and I can't feel it. Tomorrow's my birthday, so I said, fuck it. I'm going to get fucked up. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. Now, I just assumed that she probably like was prescribed a pain pill of some kind, and she had a few drinks on top of that pain pill, and uh, that was wrong of me. It was wrong of me to assume that she was a responsible person with narcotics. Uh, 
She proceeded to, uh, over the course of like two hours that she wouldn't leave the porch and leave us alone, uh, she proceeded to mooch off of our whiskey, inform us that she had carpeting to do that night, and she didn't really want to do it, but she was going to be up all night laying carpet in her basement and thank God for cocaine and Adderall. Oh, that's right. So you're a druggy person. And not like the fun kind of druggy person where you've got all these nifty stories from college in your heyday. No, you're talking about turning 30 years old and how you're on some sort of pain medication, drinking on top of it, and then you're going to polish off the evening with a bunch of uppers so that you can lay carpet. You're a wreck. You're a literal wreck of a person. (laughs) Jesus Lord. I mean, hey, I'm not about to like dog anybody for wanting to party. It was her birthday, and maybe all of this was a special occasion. But as long as you can do all of those things responsibly, more power to you. The problem is, is she was not doing things responsibly. At a certain point, out of the corner of my eye, I see her just go limp and dive bomb face first into Rick's landscaping. Now, as she stood up, she mumbled something about how she she dropped her cigarette and then went full potato. First of all, I have never heard anyone use the phrase full potato in my life, but damn it, it was an accurate depiction of what happened. She just like barely had enough time to tuck her shoulder in so that she kind of rolled into it, but not really. Like, I mean, if you've ever seen a cartoon person come flying out of a car in a car accident and they go skidding along the ground on their face, neck, and chest, that's pretty much what happened. She went full potato, and all I could think is this bitch is twice baked. How many drugs is she on? Sorry, Mom. So, yeah, that happened, and I've been thinking about it way too much ever since. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's about it. I think that's going to wrap it up. Hey, what do you know? We're back. Uh, we got a podcast going. I'm going to try and do another one of these next week, but we will see what happens. Thank you. Thank everybody for, for continuing to enjoy this. Uh, I feel like I got to start from the ground up cause I haven't done an episode in three months, but a few of you have still been saying like, Hey, I just been listened to all of your podcast episodes and it's a lot of fun. Let me know. Tell me what to do. I will do it. I am a slave to your approval. Uh, until then, enjoy your quarantine or enjoy being essentially essential. Uh, whatever whatever you got going on. But if you have any healthcare workers in your family, check in with them because this is a stressful time for them particularly. Uh, and not just healthcare workers, you know, grocery clerks at Kroger and, and Meyer and these other places that, that are continuing to operate under a great deal of stress and strain from the community. Don't forget to love the folks around you. Y'all, God, I hate myself. All right, toodaloo. I will see you all next week.